Children, if you haven't got the um, sheet to fill in and you'd like to do so, I expect there's still some spare ones at the back there. And if you give your sheet to me afterwards, I'll be pleased to have a look at it. And we'll, God willing, come round with some prizes for you uh, this coming week. Now, should you care what other people think of you? There's my question this morning. Should you care what other people think of you? I expect you do. So many things we do are because we care what other people think of us. Spending time and money on your looks. You can tell I do that a lot, especially my hair. It takes a lot of attention. Putting things on social media and then looking to see how many likes you get. At school, at work, at any pla- at church, any place we mix with other people. So much of what we do and what we say, how we act... It's because we're bothered what other people think of us. But should you care what other people think of you? Now, we might give a simple answer. I think Christians do tend to usually give a simple answer. Well, it's just simple. You just shouldn't care what other people think of you. But in practice, we find it very hard to shake off that care and often a lot of worry about it. Is that simple answer right, though? Is it just simply a matter of you just shouldn't care what others think of you? Here's a proverb I came across in my reading recently, and it's one of the reasons, just one of the reasons for this sermon this morning. Would you just have a look again at Proverbs 22? Did you notice as it was read to us, verse 1, Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I think that verse tells us we need to think a bit more carefully about this issue, should you care what other people think of you. It says the desire to be esteemed isn't 100% wrong. In fact, it's better than silver or gold. By the way, children, esteem means other people thinking well of you. Esteem is people admiring you. And this is such a big thing in our lives. I hope it only takes a moment's thought to see we're so often caring about others' esteem. What do they think of us? That I thought we should spend some time considering it. This morning is going to be topical. We're not going to stick in Proverbs 22. We're going to range across the Bible and consider what does the Bible across the range of it say about this. Then this evening, it's the same subject, but diving into one passage. Great chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Gives us some help in how we deal with this concern we have for what other people think of us. So, this morning topical, and if you've got a notice sheet that gets sent out, that may help you to see where we're going. And we'll begin with this. Why the desire for esteem is hardwired into us. Seems so inescapable. It always seems to be there. Why is it hardwired into us? As with so many things, it helps to go back to the beginning. Why are we like this? Well, let's look how we started out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis 1, verse 27. Here is God creating the world, and he gets to us, humans, And he describes us like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
We were made to be the image of God. In other words, his representatives in his world. We were made to represent and to put into practice his loving care for this world. That means we were made as displays of God. That gives us great honour, the honour of honouring God. And that's a great honour in itself. A little like this. Imagine you're in London, you're walking along the pavement in London, along a street, and a car pulls up in front of you. It's got a strange number plate, 1FRA. And a man in a peaked cap gets out, smartly dressed, out of the driver's door, and he opens the back door. And someone gets out of the back door and everyone's treating this person very respectfully. Why? He's the ambassador for France. That's why he had the number plate, 1FRA. He's the ambassador for France. And he should be honoured, not for himself, but because he represents the president of France. To dishonour him is to dishonour the president. And we were made to be like ambassadors for God. And in that sense, what people think of us does matter because we're here to represent him. But let's look at Genesis 1 verse 27 again. Let's read it again. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Notice them. This representing God isn't done on our own because this God isn't on his own. No, he's three persons. He's the God who's three in one. And so he made people who together represent him. And Genesis 2 gives us more detail on the first two people working together. They reflect the God who is three in one as they care for each other and as they enjoy and love each other and as they support each other as they work together to represent God. Now, that all involves considering others. You can't do any of that without caring what others think, without finding out what they think. You can't do any of that with an attitude of, oh, well, I don't care about their opinion. I rise above what they think. (laughs) You're not going to work together. You're not going to be like the God who is three in one together. So what I'm trying to establish is this. We were made to display God's honour And we were made to care what others think. Both of those are hardwired into us because they're the way God has made us. And so it's not surprising that esteem, what others think, matters to us. But, but secondly, it's gone wrong. Secondly, let's see how esteem has gone wrong. So many problems in our lives are a good thing that God has given us that's got distorted and twisted. And that's true of esteem. A good thing has got distorted and twisted. We've gone wrong. And so we move, of course, into Genesis chapter 3. And here we have this record of humans going wrong. And at the heart of it is the attitude that that the devil promotes in verse 5. And that the first humans and us ever since have taken on. And the attitude is, we will be like God. We'll be like God. We're not satisfied with being his representatives. No. We're not satisfied with that honour. We must have all the honour for ourselves. 
We're not satisfied with displaying him. We must display us. It's got to become all about us. And the result is all those good things in Genesis 1 and 2 that were God-focused and good for us become me-focused, self-focused, human-focused and bad for us. And so being made as a display to display God has, has become twisted in on self and become being a display of me, my personality, my ability and how I'm better than others. Not promoting God, but promoting self. Now, children, I don't know if you caught that I said that we were made to reflect God. And I'm sure you can think of something in your house that reflects. Because I'm sure you've all got somewhere in your house a mirror. We're like mirrors. Made to be like a mirror reflecting God. But imagine a mirror and it's got a really fancy, ornate frame. And the frame has taken over the mirror. The, the frame has become so big and so the mirror has become so small. It's, all, it's, it's almost covered over by the frame. And you can hardly see your reflection in the mirror. And that's, that mirror is all about showing off itself, not about reflecting the person looking in it. And that's what sinful humans are like. It's become all about showing off self instead of about reflecting God. But that's, we've twisted that we've been made to display God, but we've also twisted this. We were made to care what others think because we were made to work together for God's glory. But we've twisted caring what others think into caring what others think about me. See the difference? Caring what others think has been twisted into caring what others think about me. Instead of, what do others think so we can glorify God together? What do others think because I love them and I want their good? It's become, what do others think about me? Because I'm taken up with me. The Apostle Paul wrote about this. He had an interesting word for this. Let's move into the New Testament now. So we're doing a big jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Can you find 1 Corinthians chapter 4? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, chapter 4. Paul was writing to a church that was boastful and where the people were very showy and they loved to show off their gifts they had. They were about displaying, promoting themselves. And Paul wrote to them and he used an interesting word. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6. Now, brothers, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. They were boasting and showing off and taking pride in one man over against another. There's the word pride. What you say, that's not not very interesting, pretty ordinary word. We're pretty familiar with the word pride. Well, actually, he used quite an unusual word for pride here. Not the normal word. In fact, Paul frequently used this unusual word for pride. It was a word for something being overinflated. A word for something being swollen. Children, can you think of something you inflate? In other words, you blow up. I heard someone say it. Is that you, Samuel? What was it? A balloon, that's right. You think of a balloon. What is a balloon like? Blow up that balloon. What's it like? 
it's empty. Okay, if you're really technical, you say, no, it's not, it's full of air. But, you know, apart from the air, it's empty. It's empty on the inside. Because we've turned away from God and filling ourselves with him, we feel empty on the inside. Always trying to fill our lives with the the new thing we could have and the new gadget and the next achievement and the next way of making others feel, uh, think well of us. What else is a balloon like? Children, you blow up the balloon, you hold the neck of the balloon, you've blown it up and then you let go. What does it do? Doesn't it? All around the room and it deflates. Or maybe you're more sensible, you tie a knot in it, but you've blown it up too far. And it gets near something sharp and what? Bursts. It's fragile. And that's what we're like when Paul uses this word, an unusual word for something overinflated, swollen up. He's saying, ah, the person who's always caring what others think is very fragile. Someone makes a comment. And we interpret it as they don't think very well of us. What do we do? We deflate or burst. You're aiming to fill yourself with the achievement of getting on the hockey team and then everyone will think well of you. And you don't manage it. And you deflate or burst. You make a comment on WhatsApp and you wonder what responses you'll get. And what do you get? Absolutely none. Nobody makes a single comment. You thought you'd said something clever and you deflate or burst. Living for what others think of you makes you very fragile. We've gone wrong. Now, if if you're following on the notice sheet, uh, the next section says, others have gone wrong. I think I'm going to skip this section for the sake of time. Uh, I'll just quickly summarise. We were going to look at words of Jesus in Luke 6 and at another proverb that says, because humans have gone wrong, sinners value the wrong things. So if you're living to be valued by them, it's going to lead you off into sin in some way. Because others have gone wrong too. Live to be valued by them and, well, it will lead you into sin. Sometime you can read Luke 6 and Proverbs 29 to find that out. Luke 6 and Proverbs 29, verse 25. Interesting, Proverbs says it's God's world... So things generally work well if you go his way, but it's also a world spoilt by sin. So you can get snared into it. But I think for the sake of time, I think I ought to skip that and move on to this. Redirecting our need for esteem. We've had, the desire for esteem is hardwired into us. It's not 100% wrong. It comes from something right. But it's gone wrong because we've twisted it in on self. But thirdly, How do we redirect it? We're not going to manage to completely kill off our care about what others think of us. In fact, I'd suggest that anyone who doesn't care at all what others think of them is probably pretty unpleasant and antisocial. If you've come across people who don't seem to care what others think of them, you've probably come across a pretty unpleasant person. But we can redirect our need for esteem. Three ways. Get it from the right person, in the right way, and at the right time. Get it from the right person. Now imagine there's a crowd of children at school, and they're being mean to another child. And one boy in the, in the crowd is feeling bad about this, and he thinks this is a really bad thing to do. But he still joins in. Why? Because he cares what that crowd think about him. 
He cares what the wrong people think about him. Doesn't that so often happen? We care about what the wrong people think of us. And it leads us the wrong way. Instead, we should care about the esteem of the one whose values are always right. The one whose esteem is worth having. And you know who I mean, don't you? God himself. Can it be possible for the creator who made all this universe, who sits on the throne, to esteem a human, a little insignificant, fragile human? Could that be? Well, come with me to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah 66. Here are some amazing verses. Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord. He's talking about how great God is. God is saying, look, I filled the universe. You couldn't make a house for me. I've made everything. The earth is like a footstool to me. How great God is. How exalted and high. But then, amazing, look at the rest of verse 2. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This God who is so high, the earth is just like a footstool to him. He says, there are, there are humans I esteem, I think highly of. Who? The ones who are humble. They're not self-promoting. They're not puffing themselves up. They're not swollen like a balloon. They recognise they're small. They're nothing. And they're contrite. What does contrite mean? Contrite means sorry for sin. Regretting sin, but more than regretting. It's seeing there's something wrong with us. Desiring forgiveness for it. For having misused God's good gifts. For having twisted in on self the good way God made us. And who trembles at God's word, takes seriously God's verdict, guilty, in need of forgiveness, in need of a new heart. Now, has that verse described you? Is that you? So it's amazing. God esteems you. He thinks highly of you. Such a person is esteemed by God and welcomed by Jesus. Welcomed by Jesus. Such a person asks Jesus for mercy and gets mercy and more and more. Now, do you remember the verse I began with? The verse I got to in my personal Bible reading that, in a sense, sparked this sermon. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Notice how it started. A good name. The Jews loved parallelisms. They, they often said the, two, said the same thing in two ways. A good name is better than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Do you see, to be esteemed and to have a good name, they're in parallel. They're the same thing in different words. A good name. Let's think about a good name and how that connects to when you go to Jesus for mercy because you're humble, contrite, and tremble at God's word. You go to Jesus for mercy, and you get more than just mercy. Let's imagine a woman who's born into a family with a bad history. 
It's a really bad history. You'll tell that when you hear her family name. When you hear her surname, you'll tell she comes from a family with a really bad record. Her surname is Hitler. We often forget that was a surname. That was a family name. There was a family that had that name. And this woman, she comes from that family. I'm making this up, by the way. Her surname is Hitler. That's her family name. And she's got a character to go with it. Oh, she's got a nasty character. But a man comes into her life. And he loves her. I don't know why he'd love her, but he loves her for some reason. And he marries her. And she takes her his name. And he's got a good name. His name's Marcus Rashford. That's a name associated with good things, isn't it? He's a good footballer. And he's got this reputation for working for the poor. And unlike most footballers, using his money for the poor and campaigning. He's got a name associated with good things. And so now she's no longer Miss Hitler. She's Mrs. Rashford. She's got a name that's worthy of respect. Yes, there are some who don't respect that name. Liverpool supporters. Racists. They think, look look who she's married. No good. But who cares what they think? Now you say, that's really far-fetched. What a far-fetched story, that there's a Miss Hitler who becomes Mrs. Rashford. How far-fetched? Yes, okay, okay, but what about this? The Son of God. The idea that he should love you and me and say, welcome into my family. Come and belong to me and be free of your old reputation and have the status of a child of God, and take on my name. And other people might not think much of that, but who are they? Why should that matter? We need to get our esteem from the right person. And we need to get our esteem in the right way. Having God's esteem doesn't mean having no care what others think. It doesn't mean that we just stop caring what others think of us, no. The new, Miss, the, the new Mrs. Rashford, she was a nasty woman. But Marcus is changing her. And knowing him is, is starting to change her character. And now she wants to represent him well. And now she wants to live up to the name that she now has of Mrs. Rashford. And now she wants other people to not, not think badly of her husband because she represents him badly. Is that you? If Jesus has loved you, if Jesus has taken you into his family, if you've got his name, if you're known as a Christian, do you want to represent him well? Do you want to live worthily of his name? Do you want to be a good display of what he is like? Now, do you see what's going on here? This is about Jesus restoring the image of God. This is, well, the New Testament calls us ambassadors of Christ. We represent him. This is Jesus pushing back that over-the-top mirror frame. Do you remember that? This gaudy, over-the-top frame of the mirror that got the attention for all the wrong reasons, that we thought made us look good, but actually it was ugly. And Jesus is pushing it back and pushing it back. And we might sometimes feel like we're losing ourselves. And we're not getting noticed. And this is painful having this mirror frame pushed back. But no, he's actually allowing the mirror to show and the reflection of God to be seen. This is an honourable thing. Do you get that picture? I think it's well worth thinking about. The mirror frame being pushed back. We sometimes feel like we're getting lost 
or we're in pain, but it's, it's God causing the reflection to show. Redirect our needs for esteem from the right person, in the right way, and lastly, at the right time. Who was the perfect image of God? Who was the uncluttered mirror that reflected God? Well, of course, it was Jesus. But we began this whole service with Isaiah 52, which goes on to say, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He was a man who wasn't esteemed. He was misrepresented and misunderstood. And children, do people ever call you names? Oh, they threw all the worst names they could at him. And he didn't retaliate. And he didn't push himself up and puff himself up. He let himself get taken down, down, down all the way to the cross. And then what happened? And then God exalted him. And has given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And that's God's pattern. Jesus is there being the best example of God's pattern. 1 Peter 5 says this, Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Notice that, in due time, which means in his time. And his time can take a long time. What's the last stage of salvation called? What's the last bit of saving us that God will do? The Bible calls it being glorified. Think of that, us glorified. Us glorified, made glorious, made an amazing display of God's glory, made like Jesus, perfect displays of God. And hearing the commendation Jesus deserves, well done, good and faithful servant. It's Jesus that deserves that, but we get to hear it. The Bible is full of talk of esteem. The Bible is full of talk of honour. In fact, the book of Romans, which starts by telling us how rubbish we are and sinful we are, it it talks about people who seek honour and glory. And it says it's a good thing to seek because God will eventually give it on that last day to those who are in Jesus and have his name. Esteem, without any of those comparisons and competition and fragility and insecurity that go with it so often now. So next time you're wondering and worrying what other people think of you, don't tell yourself, next time you're pushing to be better thought of by others in your class or your workplace or maybe even here in church, tell yourself the problem isn't you're aiming too high, problem is you're aiming too low. That's the problem, you're aiming too low. Because you should be aiming instead for esteem that's from God, in his way, and comes in his time. Let's pray for that now. Father, thank you that the Bible's full of wisdom, and thank you that we've heard wisdom to live by, and yet... Father, we won't live by it, and it will be just a set of ideas when this week we mix with others, and they are very obvious to us. And what they think about us may press in on us, unless we know you, and unless we're aware of you, 
And unless what you think matters more to us, so, Father, may we know you and be aware of you. May we see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May we, through the Lord Jesus, know you better. And so, may this need for esteem and this way that we've been made to display you be directed rightly. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.